As a lot of my listeners know, I lived in Moscow from 2006 to 2009. One chronic problem I had in Moscow was finding a stable apartment to live in. Back then, the economy was really strong and there were lots of people searching for apartments, so naturally, apartment owners set the prices as high as possible and sometimes demanded a deposit of up to three months. Now, sometimes the apartment owners just raised the prices and... Even though, so the owners knew that you already thought the original prices were high, and they just told you that you had to leave the apartment, usually sometime in the next week. Although the first time that happened to me, um, not exactly connected with prices, but the first time that that happened to me, I was told I had to leave within three days. So in November 2008, this is pretty much what happened to me. I was told that, you know, the rent was going up, and um, they stole the deposit from me. And I started looking for help everywhere that I could. One of the first places that I asked for help was at the English school where I worked. There was a guy who worked there whose name was Larry. He was a very, very large and unhealthy man from the United States in his early 40s. He talked about himself almost constantly, about his travel, about his cat, about how every man on the streets, and especially in the metro, wanted to sleep with him, about how people from Central Asia and how he thought he was better than them, about how gay men were taking control of the world and so on. He was just absolutely insane. He was fucking crazy. Whenever he started talking, um, whenever he started talking, people just kind of instinctively walked away because they knew that he'd never stop and that everything he said was just nonsense. So um, I searched for a roommate with a real feeling of desperation, and I still came up empty-handed. I just didn't really know what to do. I guess I could have left my things at the school where I worked and gone to a cheap hotel for a couple of weeks, but I'd been living in Moscow at this point for over two years, and I had slept badly for most of it. So my ability to make rational decisions was pretty degraded by this point. And besides, the reality was the cheapest hotels weren't really that cheap. So I decided to move in with Larry as a stopgap solution. Larry lived way beyond Vukhano, which at that time was the last station on the metro in the southeast. When I first got to the apartment where he lived, which was actually pretty fresh and new with a European-style interior, Larry refused to give me a key to the front door, which immediately set off alarm bells, but I had to suppress them because I didn't really have any other choices. I also noticed that the door to my own room didn't even have a lock on it. I also saw his cat that he was so proud of and that he talked about so often, which in reality was extremely sick and old and sad and about to die. Now, in spite of that, Larry had put out 21 bowls of cat food for his cat, and he had seven pictures of himself in a row on the wall, all of them when he was much younger and better looking. Now, one day while I was at work, Larry texted me to tell me he was going to invite over some men to have a kissing party. So, needless to say, I wasn't looking forward to coming home to something like that. When I got home, though, something much worse had happened. He opened the door drunk and with a cocktail in his hand. None of the people he'd invited had come, and I sensed that this was actually a much worse outcome. I went straight into the bathroom to brush my teeth, and he followed me in. And my thought at that point was, oh, this is really bad. He's followed me not just into any room. He's followed me into a room that has a toilet in it, which is a weird and sad thought to have. So he stood next to me, and he watched my mouth very closely as I brushed my teeth, which, as you can imagine, got me feeling quite uncomfortable. Um, He slammed his fist on the washing machine, and he said that he didn't even like American boys. Um, I spat out my toothpaste, and I said that, yeah, I don't like them either. Um, I went to my room um, with the door, which, as you remember, did not have a lock, and slept, as you can imagine, really, really badly on the floor. So Larry generally had a really high opinion of himself, 
himself, which was based on his comparing himself to others that he thought were worse than him, usually because of their race or their income. Anyways, one morning at 6 a.m., we were both in the kitchen getting ready to go to work, and Larry made a comment about my dad, who worked with his hands for many years cutting people's grass and painting houses and doing other jobs like this. I told Larry really directly not to say anything about my dad. He informed me that it was his house, though, and that he'd say whatever he wanted to. After that, we went outside to get on the marshrutka, and we both went to work together. When I came back, it was near midnight, and Larry would neither open the door nor answer the phone. I knew that he had locked me out because I had pushed back against his insults in the morning. I had about three rubles, just three rubles on my phone, and I used them to text a Russian friend. She told me she'd call her cousin, who had recently moved to that part of the city from Vladikavkaz. She called me back and said that he'd be there in about 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, I went outside and pretty quickly realized I'd made a major mistake. It was minus 20 outside and getting colder, and I could feel the cold coming up through my feet in my shoes. I waited outside like that in the snow for maybe an hour before my friend's cousin Maxime finally came. I got into his very warm car, feeling very much relieved, and felt the, the warmth going even into my feet, and he drove me for around one hour to a very simple and old and honestly very weak-looking wooden house that was located well outside the city limits. It was now after 2 a.m., and he introduced me to his grandmother, who was around 90 years old and no longer able to leave her bed, but was awake to welcome me. She pulled me in close and told me I was her grandson that morning and that I was welcome in her home. Let's remember that this was a complete stranger welcoming me into her home. Um... I also noticed the shelves of Russian classic literature, which the family had brought with them to Moscow region, which, you know, bring them from Vladikavkaz, probably in a car, possibly in a train. In any case, it didn't look like they'd left in, you know, with a lot of money, and they had chosen to bring all of these books with them. So I, I felt comfortable in this place, which, you know, was really important at the moment. They really helped me out. So um, I went to sleep for a couple of hours um, in that place, and I got up the next day and went to work feeling absolutely horrible. Um, now, I finally did get another apartment away from Larry, um, of course. However, I want to add that Larry's poor old cat did finally die, and that he put the cat in the freezer in the kitchen because he wanted to give the cat a decent a funeral, but the ground was frozen solid from the winter temperature. So, the, you know, the ground was frozen solid. He couldn't bury the cat, um, and he was waiting for spring when the ground would get soft and wet so he could bury his cat in the ground, and he, you know, kept the, the cat in there until then. Really messed up, honestly. Um, as for Maxime, um, I met him a few more times when he got married. I went to his wedding and, you know, gave him a nice gift, um, so I felt that there was some balance, although he wasn't, you know, doing anything, obviously, to get anything back, but I, I wanted to thank him, and so I gave him a nice, nice really nice bottle of wine. Really nice guy. Um, and I rarely saw him after that, unfortunately. Just was too busy all the time. Anyway, that's all for this week. Although this topic of sleeping in dangerous and uncomfortable places with weird people around is anything but exhausted. So, that's all. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail and also hear about some of my travel stories from around the world. In this week's episode, I'm going to tell you two stories about how difficult and frightening it can be to find a place to sleep while traveling. 
Both of the situations I will describe today helped me understand how difficult and uncomfortable it can be to travel if you're a woman, which I'm obviously not. Um, I already talked about sleeping rough in Russia in episode 22, Nightmare Bike Tour, but this time I will take you to someplace different, to France, before we return to a part of the world that's more familiar to most of my listeners. In 2005-2006, I lived in Marseille in the southeast of France and taught English there in a public school, the kids uh, about age 9 to 15, and I got the idea to walk across the entire country, starting the northwest at Cherbourg and then going down to Toulouse in the southwest and then back home to Marseille in the southeast, which is a distance of around 1,600 kilometers or 1,000 miles. That, however, is an adventure I'll tell you about in a future episode. The only things that I brought with me beyond clothing were a backpack, a summer tent and some maps. I really didn't have a concrete plan about where I would walk or where I would stay at night. I started walking early May and I really overestimated the nighttime temperatures. Marseille, where I had been living, was already having near summer temperatures, which was not the case, unfortunately, in Normandy. I, of course, understand the difference between the south of France and the north of France, but I didn't realize just how massive the temperature difference is. We're talking about basically two different countries um, as far as, you know, um, early or mid-spring temperatures. So um, the first night that I was walking um, out of Cherbourg, I discovered that nighttime temperatures were very low, maybe just 5 degrees. I slept in my tent with a long sleeve jacket and jeans on and with my legs inside of my backpack, and the rest of my clothes I used as a pillow. It actually was not super uncomfortable, but the problem was that it was really just a summer tent, and so there was a big temperature difference between the inside air and the outside air, and also there was quite a bit of wetness in the air. So that wetness or humidity condensed in, condensed into water that formed on the inside of the tent, liquid water, and it actually kind of rained on me, and it really just sucked. Now, as my walk continued and I went south, the temperature did go up enough to make sleeping at night a lot more comfortable. Still, my tent was not my preferred place to sleep. And at this point, um, it's worth adding a couple things. One is that in that first night, um, I managed to get sick, you know, right away. Not like massively sick, like the flu or something, but more like a really bad cold and like an infection in my nose. And after some weeks of walking, um, it finally started to clear up, you know, I mean, or really completely cleared up. The other thing is that, honestly, I can't remember if I've told this story on this podcast before. We're now like 41 episodes in, and I can't remember. There's, I've started to, you know, record this and then stop and think, man, if I told this story or not, it's about midnight. Um, it's been a very rough week. Um, and if you've heard this before, well, listen to it again, or don't. Um, up to you. So, those two things out of the way, I was walking along um, the road in um, about one-third of the way or one-quarter of the way down France. You know, it was a, near a city called Rennes, um, that's spelled R-E-N-N-E-S, and as I was walking south on uh, my left, I had a river um, to my to, on my side and um, very flat territory and just very grassy and nice and green, and I was walking on a road with very little traffic and with a pretty low speed limit because it was entering a city, small town actually, and my problem at that moment was that my socks were all like on their fourth day. You know, the first day you wear them super clean, you feel great, you feel like a human being, member of civilization. Second day, not so fresh, not great, but you know, still acceptable given that you're walking in the middle of nowhere. Third day, 
is bad. And on the fourth day, basically, you have beer um, brewing inside your socks, and it's just a freaking nightmare. It sucks. Um, so as I was walking along this road, I was thinking, man, I need to find a washing machine. I need to find a washing machine. I, I had washed them by hand at times, but it's just not the same as putting them in a washing machine. And um, it also takes a lot of time. I was trying to cover a lot of distance and, you know, washing them and drying them. I just didn't do it. So um, as I was walking along, um, I noticed on my left that there were these very tall, very neatly cut bushes. And I saw these bushes, and I saw cars behind them, and I noticed that the cars were kind of shaking. And I thought, what? Why are the cars shaking? And then as I continued walking, I saw more bushes and more cars where the same thing was happening. And um, a car, black car, drove past me. It was like a Clio, very small car. And there was a man in it, about 45 years old, and he had a sunburnt chest. He was wearing a black silk shirt. He had salt and pepper colored hair that was very oily. He was wearing aviator sunglasses. And as he drove past at about bicycle speed, he tracked me with his head. He didn't even just turn his eyes. He, he turned his head to look at me, and I thought, oh my god, this place is really uncomfortable, and it reminded me of Burnett Woods, which is a place in my hometown where, well, gay guys go to meet, and basically lots of other people just avoid, especially on a weekend. It's just not a nice place to be. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking about this then. I was thinking, oh my god, I've got really got to get out of this park, and at the same time, it was looking like it might rain, and I'd been rained on before a few times, um, you know, not even including the times when I was rained on inside of my tent, and wanted to avoid that too. So I really wanted to get inside and get to a washing machine. And so as I continued walking, I finally got to the end of the park, and there was actually a really nice little tree there, and um, under the tree there was some a sandy patch where it was really easy to... Um, put a tent, and it would be comfortable, almost bed-like. So this was about as good as you could get um, as far as a place to sleep was if we're talking about just that strict location. Now, across the, so the street, um, there was a small farm or a very large garden. There was an old man there, and I asked him, hey, what will happen if I sleep here? Will those guys bother me? He said, no, no problem. Um, they won't do anything to you. Um, just, you know, stay away and you'll be okay. And so I thought, okay, so I put my tent up. I wasn't, I was, I felt reassured, but I wasn't completely certain. And, um, then the guy in the black car pulled up and he started speaking English to me and he, he really wanted to talk. I said, how did you know I speak English? He said, I could just tell. And I said, well, you know, but, but how? And he said, I could just tell from the way you walk and the, the clothes that you have and so on. I thought, well, okay, fine. And he, um, said, um, you know, where are you from? And I said, Cincinnati. He said, oh, Cincinnati, are you kidding me? Have you been to Burnett Woods? And I said to him, well, you know, I've heard of Burnett Woods, but I've never been there. <laughs> um, and he said, um, do you want to sleep in my mom's house? And I said, um, eh, well, it, before I could say no or yes, he picked up the phone, called his mom, and his mom said no. Um, and he started yelling at her and telling her that she, that I was not some prince that he was trying to bring home and make love to. And, um, yeah, finally she refused and, and he called her, hung up the phone first, fortunately, and called her a bitch. <laughs> and, um, then he asked me if I wanted to sleep in his house. And he said that he lived on the top floor so nobody would bother us you know, kind of a red flag, but also that he had a washing machine. And I didn't feel that he wanted to hurt me, um, but I also wasn't quite sure. I looked up at the sky, and I 
saw that it probably wasn't going to rain, and I stayed there. He did, I did not want to hurt his feelings, however, in the case that he did not want to hurt me, and so um, I said, let's meet for breakfast tomorrow. So I met him for breakfast the next day, um, and he um, paid for breakfast, and he gave me a phone card and some cash. So, yeah, that's the first story. Let's move on to um, stories from Russia now. <laughs> 